Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Who Bone Nets podcast. So the Nets followed up their win against the Knicks with a horrible loss, a complete blowout to the Pacers. Me and Hunter actually predicted that they would win. What was your? It was like one fourteen to like one oh six. I said that they. I didn't give a prediction, but I said that they would win. We were both completely wrong, but it wasn't as. Uh, the score makes it seem a lot worse than it was. The Nets shot 47.7% from the field, 43.2% from the three-point line, and 63.6% from the free-throw line. It's the first time since the preseason that they shot above 40% from the three-point line and lost. Like, when I was... If you were to just look at the score, based on previous knowledge, you would think that the Nets shot 8 for 30 from the three-point line again, which wasn't the case. They actually made 16 threes. Actually... Both teams made 16 three-pointers, but the Nets attempted 37, while the Pacers only attempted 24. So the Pacers were far more efficient when it comes to their three-point shooting. Funny enough, both teams also shot 30—I mean, 63.6% from the free-throw line on the same number of attempts. So that wasn't what lost in the game. But the difference is that the net, while the Nets shot 47.7% from the field, the Pacers shot 55.4. So, once again— as you can probably guess, the Nets lost a turnover battle, 20-10. to Karras, D'Lo, and Jared Allen accounted for 11 of them. And they got outscored 30-12 to and points off turnovers. This shows that defense, which is one of our highlighted problems from a previous episode, was correct. They they can't play defense at all. They let the Pacers score 132. And the Pacers aren't exactly one of the best offensive teams in the NBA. And they were missing Sabonis and TJ Leaf. Not that TJ Leaf is a 90-point-per-game scorer. But Sabonis but like, is a double-double threat off the bench almost every game. So that took away a threat for them. And they still got lit up. And turnovers... Is by far their biggest issue. Yes, but the fact that they can't force turnovers while turning the ball over is why they get smoked in that department every single game. 20 to 10 is a huge difference. It's a huge difference because 10 possessions that they lose from that, that can turn anywhere from 0 to 30 points. It would have been better if they could turn the ball over but then not give up points off turnovers. Like they they got outscored thirty to twelve in points off turnovers. So it was one and a half points for every turnover yeah. that they had. Which it's not terrible. So their fast break defense in this game wasn't terrible for turnovers. But they still didn't have it. Like 
Karis LeVert and D'Lo don't know how to take care of the ball. That's the problem, and that's their primary ball handler. And it's like they have two primary ball handlers that both can't take and, care of the ball. And they're it's not like, going to sit because they're most of the scoring. So they have to just be on the court. D'Lo wasn't even most of the scoring. That's that's what's so annoying when you watch this team. It's so mind-boggling that D'Angelo Russell can take 16 shots and make five of them. And it's like when coming into the season, he was one of the most – hyped up players because you see him working out in the offseason you see him doing all this work third fourth well this is fourth year definitely his fourth year comes into his fourth year things gonna break out and then he hasn't had a 20 point game yet and it's only three games but come on and he's also not looking like their franchise corners not at all not at all it's frustrating their best player right now is Karis LeVert and it's not even close Karis LeVert is even though he's turning the ball over, he's so efficiently scoring and doing everything that it's the turnovers how the turnovers are worth it for him. The turnovers right now are not worth it for D'Angelo Russell. That's the problem. He's not shooting efficiently. He's not doing a ton else besides scoring. Like he'll add four rebounds, four assists here and there, but like when you're going five of sixteen from the field, like you're hurting your team more than you're helping it at this point. And we know the Nets' other problem is offensive rebounds. Well, they lost the offensive rebound battle, but only by one, as they gave up 10 offensive rebounds compared to their nine. And that's without the Pacers having their best offensive rebounder in Sabonis. So they still lost. Last year, 13 teams averaged above 10 offensive rebounds per game. So 10 is still on the high side. And that's still something they need to work on. It wasn't, And you would think that it was Miles Turner that killed them on the boards. No. They gave up five offensive rebounds to Kyle O'Quinn. Who got a lot of minutes because Sabonis was He only got there, 18. So. And it made me think like, oh, maybe Kyle O'Quinn is some monster offensive rebounder. Maybe there's something I'm missing here. So I researched it. Kyle O'Quinn averaged 1.6 offensive rebounds last year in 17.9 minutes. He got five in 18 minutes tonight. I mean, hey, sometimes bounces go a player's way. That's no excuse. Kyle O'Quinn? Kyle O'Quinn is getting five offensive rebounds in 18 minutes. The bench scoring for both sides in this game were great. The Pacers won 55-51. Even though they only had four players score on their bench, those four players all had 12 or more points. It was Corey Joseph, Doug McDermott, Tyreek Evans, and Kyle O'Quinn, who was the leading scorer off the bench. Kyle O'Quinn. While the Nets had everyone who played on their bench, all seven players contribute a bucket. Ed Davis, Fareed, Karooks, Dinwiddie, Musa, Pinson, and Crab. Moving on to the box score. We're going to start with the Pacers. Nine Pacers scored in double digits. All five of their starters. All five of the starters. And the four bench players who scored. So everyone who scored, scored in double figures. (laughs) Oladipo had 25 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 4 steals on 10 of 20 shooting in 32 minutes. Miles Turner had 14 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a block on 4 of 7 shooting in 26 minutes. 
Kyle O'Quinn, the player of the game, had 16 points and 8 rebounds to go along with 1 assist, 1 steal, and 2 blocks. And those ludicrous 5 offensive rebounds. On 7 of 12 shooting in 18 minutes. And then uh, Bojan Bogdanovic had 15 points, 2 rebounds, and that's it. On 5 of 8 shooting, he went 3 from three of 3 from the 3-point line in 27 minutes. Nobody on the Pacers team outside of Victor Oladipo played 30 minutes. And also, none of them shot below 50% that scored. There were three other players who attempted a shot. Uh, Sumner, Aaron Holiday, and Igbogu off the bench. All played less than five minutes and all attempted a shot. And they all missed. So, But all the... Players who scored all shot 50% or better. So that's crazy. That highlights the Nets' lack of defense. And where do you, who do you, like, where does the, where does the bad defense come from? Like, how, what part of their lineup? Well, I mean, the Pacers shot 67% from the three point line and made 16 of them. So they did not know how to guard the three point line. That, that's all. been a problem all season, and we'll get to that later. But moving on to the Nets, Joe Harris matched a team-high 19 points to go along with two rebounds, three assists, and on 6 of 11 shooting, he finally got his shot going as he went 5 of 6 from the three-point line. Jared Allen had a weird stat line. He only got eight points and three rebounds to go along with one block on 4 of 7 shooting, and he only played 21 minutes. Spencer Dinwiddie. Added 13 points, 4 assists, 1 rebound, and 1 steal on 4 of 11 shooting in 26 minutes. D'Angelo Russell had 12 points, 6 rebounds, and 7 assists to go along with 1 block on 5 of 16 shooting in 30 minutes. See, D'Lo had 12 points, 6, he had 6 rebounds and 7 assists. But he oh, he shot 5 of 16 from the field, which is like, if you would just, if he shot 8 of 16 from the field, and had 16, 6, and 7, that's a great stat line. But 12, 6, and 7, it's 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 extremely frustrating because he, he should be much better than he is. But moving on, Karis LeVert had 19 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block on an insane 8 of 9 shooting in 27 minutes. Brooklyn has by far been playing horrible defense and that's ultimately the reason they lost this game they're having trouble guarding the three ball as they allow the sixth highest three-point percentage to opponents at 40.8 percent and this game did not help as they gave up 67 percent from three on 16 of 24 shooting it's like they have problems off switching off screens they have problems picking up people coming off down screens it's like they just are are completely oblivious to things that go on behind the three-point line well, I want to add two more dud performances of the night. Pun not intended. Jared Dudley, wow. the starting power what forward. One of three shooting in 23 minutes, at three least, points. At least he only played 23 minutes, though. Why is he playing at all? I, I don't know. Kenny Atkinson has his weird rotations, but at least he didn't play 35 minutes like he did in game one. 23 minutes, 22 minutes, that's fine. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's coming back, so that's over. Jared Dudley's never hitting the court again. Second dud is Alan Crabb. 25 minutes, 2 of 6 shooting, 
10 points, 3 rebounds. But he's still coming. Like, this is only a second game back, so I'll give him some slack. Um, and a quick rookie report. Rodion's Karooks had a solid 12.6 rebound game on 5 of 9 shooting. And seemingly, which is strange to say, I never thought I'd say this, their second round pick, Rodion's Karooks, is right now outplaying D'Angelo Russell. That is crazy. Is he? He is outplaying him efficiency-wise. He plays defense. He is doing things that D'Angelo Russell is not. They'd rather have him on the court right now. How many minutes did he play? 15 minutes. And how much did he have? He had 12 and 6 on 5 of 9 shooting. See, the thing, I'm trying to think, what would this team be without D'Lo? The only thing that D'Angelo Russell steadily provides is intimidation to opponents because of the his potential. Name. Because of the potential. Because when he catches fire, it's hard to stop. But that's him. why Karis Levert is doing so well, because people are paying attention to D'Angelo Russell. And he's doing so well because he doesn't shoot. He just doesn't just jack up so threes. We'll see if it comes to a point in the season where teams will realize that D'Angelo Russell is not playing that well, start guarding Karis Levert more, and then D'Lo starts playing better. But Karis Levert doesn't... <laughs> Karis LeVert gets to, to the basket at will. Going 8 of 9 is insane. I mean, he was 2 of 3 from 3, too. That, and it's it's crazy. So his only miss was from 3. If he can, Because if he can hit a consistent 3 ball, he's almost unguardable. Because you don't know when he's going to take you to the basket. And you don't know when he's going to. And he has a handle. An underrated handle, but he can dribble the ball. He can assist the ball. Rebound the ball. Clearly, he plays some. I don't the thing with Karras is he, the only thing not complete about his game is defense. Because he's, he clearly can't play any defense. No and one on the Nets can the play defense. he does speed and size to play defense. So if he's coached the right way and trained the right way of how to play defense, I think he can figure it out. But right now, him and D'Lo are not an efficient defensive backcourt. They, they, I feel like the team trusts Spencer Dinwiddie more. Out of the D-Lo. two. Uh, yeah. And... It's it's warranted because you at least you know while Sp- well Spencer didn't when he only went four for eleven, but I, for some reason I just feel way more confident that he won't lose you a game. Like D'Angelo Russell, as much as he'll win you a game, he will most definitely lose you a game. With Spencer Dinwiddie, he might not have the same capability of winning you a game as D'Lo does, but his his the chances of him losing you the game are also drastically diminished. <laughs> Since their defense is so bad, you have to wonder. If Damari Carroll and Ronda Hollis Jefferson will make a difference. No. You don't? You don't no. think so? Well, I think their defense will improve very slightly, being that they're both defensive specialists. But the backcourt defense is their problem, mainly. Perimeter defense is their problem. Carroll will help with that. Ronda Hollis, not so much, being that he's the power forward, but. But when they maybe that's the problem that they're playing people like Jared Dudley, who can't switch onto guards at the top at the perimeter. Like if if Ronda Hollis Jefferson has the capability of guarding people on the perimeter, whether it be a forward or a guard, he and he can clearly he can't guard the five, but he can guard position, positions one through four, which makes them way more versatile on defense. Yes, but while D'Angelo Russell is on the court, let's say they switch. Who does he have to guard then? He has to then guard a power forward. He well, it's, it's barbecue chicken on D'Angelo Russell, whether he's guarding a point guard or a power forward. 
See, but that's the knock on someone like Steph all, all series long when he has to switch and switch back and forth. And no matter who it's he whoever, guards, it doesn't whoever work. whoever offense on D'Angelo Russell. It, but that's how it is with Levert, too. When you have two people on the court that are like that. And it's kind of like that with Dinwiddie, too. So that's what I'm saying. What is their alternative? They, they don't have a defensive-minded guard. That's why we when we said they need to trade for somebody like Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Patrick Beverly, get a guard, whether or not he be a veteran or a young player that can play defense. Because right now, that's what you're lacking. You have an offense. You have two offensive-minded guards. You have three offensive-minded guards, and not one of them can play a lick of defense. So, and, and you're not outscoring teams because the, the like they're not good enough at their offensive game to just completely outscore teams and blow them out the water without having to play defense. So you clearly need a defensive-minded guard. Do you think the three-point shooting woes will continue all season long or when they get Carroll back and Crab gets healthy again? Do you think they'll be near the top of the league? Near the top of the league? Not a chance. Maybe mid-tier but or maybe low-tier, but definitely not top of the league. Definitely not top eight, top nine, because good team like the Nets consist. They're not consistent in shooting good from the three point line. I real like they just went three out of their five games. They've shot under thirty percent from the three point line. Like good teams don't do that. And yeah, Demar Carroll's gonna come back and knock down a couple of threes, but he's not gonna change that. You, when you have people like D'Angelo Russell, Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and Alan Crabb that just let let it fly whenever they feel ready to let it fly, it's not. They're not efficient shooters. They shoot a lot. Joe Harris is efficient. He's not that. Efficient. He was five he, of six this, this game. Not this season. Not this season. He's this is his first. Efficient. This is his first he good will, three point he shooting will be game. Will be a forty percent three point. Okay, shooter. fine. Give so Joe Harris is their best three point shooter. Yes, that's why they resigned him. him. Taking the that's three, why yes. they resigned him. Okay, and who else? They don't have any other reliable three point shooter. Out of all the guards, they have Allen. Allen Crabb and Joe Harris are their two best, and Allen Crabb has shoots. a lot of off nights. Yeah, but Damari Carroll shoots open shots only. He doesn't really take bad okay, shots. Okay, but we're so saying this. But he doesn't shoot enough to make to boost the Nets up to being top half the of the league. People who ruin it are D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie. And yeah, Carroll's reverse not going to shoot this efficient all season long. But like, it, he it, they're they're definitely going to ruin it. And Jared Allen doesn't. He's made two three threes this season, but he doesn't like in order to be top half of the league. <coughs> I feel like you need to have everybody on the court can shoot. Like, the Warriors, all five of them can shoot. Well, not the center, but if you put in Jordan Bell, he can knock that down. When DeMarcus Cousins Yeah, when DeMarcus Cousins comes back, all of them can shoot. Even, like, the Lakers. They have a lineup with five people that can all knock down the three ball. Like it, that's it, every team now. Uh, yeah, but every a reliable lineup. Like Jared Allen, who, who the Rondé Hollis can't knock down the three ball. I guess you put Damari Carroll at the four. I mean, you could use their three-guard lineup with Damari Carroll at the four. That's about it. That and that and still, that's not good enough to make them top half of the league in three point shooting. They just have too many players that are too inefficient from the three point line. <laughs> the problem is that they play defense so poorly that they need to outscore opponents, and they don't have the firepower to outscore the numbers that they're giving up. So they're gonna constantly lose games one twenty to one ten, where they put up one ten, but they don't know how to play defense, so they just lose like 
they're going to lose a lot of games where they give up a ridiculous amount of points, no matter what team it is. Okay, so as we wrap this podcast up, I want to ask you, through three games, are you disappointed in the Nets' play, or did you expect this type of start from them? I expected this start only because of how injured they were coming into the season. Crab isn't healthy, Damari Carroll and Hollis Jefferson aren't back, and they didn't exactly know how the rotation would come together. So I'll say give it until at least Hollis Jefferson comes back because Carroll might be late November. Hollis Jefferson will be sooner. So he's once, coming back next game. Yeah, once once he's back and he's healthy, that's kind of a taste of what it's going to be like because Dudley's going to move to the bench. And when Carroll comes back, it's going to be interesting to see if they keep Joe Harris there or if they bring Carroll off the bench with Crab. They have to keep Joe Harris. He's their best shooter. And he, they just signed him to an extent. Like, they just re-signed him this seat last in this offseason just for the purpose of being able to shoot. If they didn't have Joe Harris, their three-point shooting would be atrocious. Yeah, I mean, their three-point shooting is going to be okay. Probably middle of the league. And I think... They'll win like 35 games when it comes down to it, but they they just need to it's learn. It's crazy how... There's so many small issues that they can't fix, like defense. that That's a big issue, but it's small things that are ruining their defense. Like free throw shooting, minor issue that makes a big difference. They're not going to fix that. They're not a free throw shooting team. They they shot 63.8%, 63.6% from the free throw line in this loss. So that's that's not good. For me, for me, I feel like, am I disappointed? No. But did I, do, do I, they can be so much better than they are, but I feel like my expectations for them might be higher than they should be. I, because they have so, when you look at their roster, it's it's not stacked by any means. But, like, they have a good amount of talent. More talent than a... They're really deep. They have so much depth and more talent than a good amount of bottom of the league teams. Like, through three games, I say they they should be 2-1. and one. I'll give them this loss to the Pacers. But the Pistons game, they should have won that by... They should have blown the Pistons out. The And that's crazy because both Andre Drummond... And Blake Griffin, and maybe even Reggie Jackson, are better than any player on the Nets roster. And the, the depth of the Nets is what allowed them to hang in that game. And they should have won that game. The Knicks, they did what they had to do. They should have blown them out, but they ended up winning by one. But we'll give it to them. This game, they got blown out because they th- their defense finally caught up with them. And the fact that they couldn't play defense is exactly what lost them the game. So my disappointed... No. Are my expectations too high? Probably. Do I think they're going to play better as the season progresses? Of course. Most teams will. But they should have They should have got that Pistons game, in my opinion. Looking ahead, the Nets play the 0-3 Cavaliers on Wednesday. They actually had a pretty long break. They play the 0-3 Cavaliers on Wednesday in Cleveland. And it, theoretically, it should be a win for them. But we don't know when it comes to the Nets, especially since they're expecting to have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson back in the lineup. We don't know if he's going to be on a minutes restriction. We don't know how much he's going to play. But just his presence alone should do something that they – it should give them 
a spark that they really don't have right now. Both teams had a pretty nice break with the Nets having not played since Saturday and the Cavs having not played since Sunday, so we might see a little rust from both teams. However, the Nets are the more talented team and should be able to squeak out a win. If the Nets do not beat the Cavs, we then got I'm a disappointed. We got a problem. Because the Cavs are probably the worst team in the NBA this season. We, they, the Cavs have Kevin Love and not one other established scorer on the team. If you were hanging in there with Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson. And then you lose to Seti Osman and, and, and Kevin and, Love. And Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson. Problem. There's a problem here. And the, I'm the telling Cavs you, just got blown out by the Hawks, who are probably the second worst team. <laughs> they in gave the NBA. up 35 to Trey Young, and they gave up 17 to Omari Spellman. They could not play defense at all. So if the Nets don't manage to light up the Cavs, I do not understand. I'm expecting what the problem a big is. game out of Dinwiddie, D'Lo, and Karis LeVert. And who's who's guarding Jared Allen? Uh, Tristan, Tristan Thompson? Thompson. He's the only one who I could see being limited. Jared I Allen, I think he should cook Tristan Thompson. I mean, he should have a decent game. He should I'm have at least everyone like else should play above their normal. 10. Everyone else should play above their normal. By f- who's guarding D'Angelo Russell? George Hill. That's about George. It. George uh, Colin Sexton. Like, come on. And Colin Sexton's a ferocious little defender. But at this <coughs> point, when you've been in the league for four years, compared to a rookie, you should not be getting locked up by Colin Sexton. There's no excuses for that. I expect Karis LeVert to have another good, efficient game. Spencer Dinwiddie, it's iffy with him. He can't seem to find a shot in the open in like in the beginning of the season, but hopefully he turns it around here. Allen Crab will be in his third game. Hopefully, third time's a charm for Allen Crab. Joe Harris, he's he's coming off a good game. Hopefully, he can keep it going. And we already said we expect Jared Allen to eat. So that will do it for this episode. Hopefully, the Nets can get that two and two record. They should. And not be 1-3 to start the season. But that'll do it for this episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at HoopBallNets. You can follow us individually. I'm at Adams underscore. If you don't know how to spell Najee, it's N-A-J-E-E Adams underscore Hunter. At Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter. But yeah, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.